Welcome to the New Point Community Church Podcast. This message is part of our series, Life is Complicated, We Can Help. We want to thank you for joining us, and we hope you continue to realize and reach your full potential in Jesus Christ. Hey, New Point, how are you doing? Can you believe that we're halfway through July? I mean, it is tracking fast. I remember somebody telling me that fast means the age that you are. And so whatever age you are, that's how fast it's going in life. And so I just turned 60, so I'm going 60 miles an hour through life. And I'm telling you, as my mom and dad told me, the older you get, the faster that life happens to you. And so we need to embrace it. We need to enjoy it. And I trust that you're doing that this summer. Now, I want to give a shout out to all of you at our locations, those of you in Dover and Canton and Worcester and Millersburg, Coshocton and Cambridge, and those of you who are joining us online, we're so glad that you have joined us. Now, here's what I want you to know, though. At all of our locations, physical locations, week in and week out, we're having people volunteer and they are serving in environments, and they are creating relevant, contagious environments for our kids, for our students, for everyone who attends our locations. And I just wanna give a shout out to you because you are doing an awesome, incredible job in making people feel welcome and being able to be a blessing to them. And so I encourage you to do that and uh, continue to be who you are, a blessing to all people. Now, we're in this series called Greater. Greater hope, greater wholeness, greater freedom, greater purpose. And we're looking at the book of Colossians. And Colossians is a book. It's a small book. It's four chapters. I trust that you're reading it every week. There's 95 verses in it. Okay. It refers to Jesus a whole lot. Matter of fact, 15 times it says in Christ. And so Paul is talking about you and I being rooted and being established in the person of Christ. Paul met this man, Epaphras, and he met him in Ephesus. And Epaphras came in contact with Paul and found out who Jesus was, and it transformed his life. And he went back to this city called Colossae. And because of the transformation in his life, it started to influence and impact those around him. And so Paul has heard of this work that Epaphras had done. And he hears that they're beginning to drift a little bit. And so Paul is writing the church and he's reminding them that they have a greater faith, a greater hope, a greater purpose, a greater joy. But it only happens when you make Jesus big, when you are rooted and established in Jesus. And they were drifting from that. So today what I want to talk about is greater freedom greater freedom. Do you know that you can be physically free, but still not experience freedom in any way or sense? It's true. It's true. Let me explain it to you. You know, in the circus, what they do is they take baby elephants, and when they're small, what they do is they they shackle them with a chain, and they drive a stake in the ground. And that small elephant tries to pull away and it finds out that it really can't. And really it injures its leg. 
And yet what the elephant doesn't understand is that every week, every month, every year, it's growing and it's becoming stronger and stronger and stronger. But they keep that shackle, they keep that chain on that elephant. And so he or she begins to think, you know what, there's no use. I'm a slave to this chain. And so now they are big and they're powerful and they're strong. And yet that circus director, trainer, can hold them in place just by a small chain, small shackle that's around their leg because they, they feel that and they go back to their mind and they think, oh, you know what? I'm chained, I'm shackled. There's nothing I can do about it. And really what has happened is it's now become more mental than physical because they have the strength, they have the ability, they have the power to pull that stake right out of the ground physically. But mentally, they believe that they can't. They have no idea the strength and the power that lies within them. Paul is telling the church in Colossae, you know what? You need to be reminded that you have greater freedom. See, Jesus said it like this. He said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. But it's one thing to know that. It's another thing to experience that freedom and to walk in that freedom. You see, once you and I accept Jesus Christ as the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our life, something has taken place. You have been transformed. Your life has been transformed. Paul says that if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creature. The old is gone. The new has come. We've said goodbye to our past and to those habits and to those hurts and to those hangups. And because Jesus has restored you and I, he has made us anew. He's given us life and life more abundantly. And we're created in his image. We should be experiencing a greater freedom. And today, whether you're new to the faith or whether you've been walking in this faith in Jesus Christ for a long, long time, what we're going to talk about today is very, very important. Most people don't get this. Most people don't live in this. Most people don't practice this. Here in chapter 3, Paul is, is telling them about the freedom that they have in Christ. And if you go to the end of the chapter, and I encourage you to do so later, you'll find out that he begins to talk about relationships, work relationships, parenting relationships, marriage relationships. And what he's doing is, in the preceding uh, verses, what he's doing is he's preparing us to be able to have healthy relationships, whether at work, whether with our family, whether with our spouse, and to be able to live in the freedom. And so he gets very direct, and it's very instructional for you and me, and yet it's also filled with encouragement. And what Paul was saying to you and I, and what he's saying to the church in Colossae is this, you have what it takes. You see, there were people in their city who was telling them, you don't have what it takes. Jesus isn't enough. Jesus isn't big enough. And Paul was saying, no, you have what it takes to do everything that Jesus is asking you to do, whether it's at work, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's parenting your kids. You have what it takes. 
And Paul has already given them this assurance when in chapter two, he says this, and because you belong to Christ, you are what? You are complete, you're whole. Having everything you need, not most of what you need, not some of what you need, but you have everything that you need. And the idea is this, that in the day that you are challenged at your workplace or in your, 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 your parenting or your marriage or in life, you have what it takes. Because what people were saying in Paul's day as he's writing this letter is that there were some philosophies out there, some ideas that, that were tripping the people up in Colossae. And it was causing them to stumble. It was causing them to fall. And that's what false teaching does. You see, false teaching distracts you from Jesus. See, Jesus is the center, everything. When he is at the center, everything else will take care of itself. But false teaching gets your eyes on something else. And there were two things that they were dealing with, that the people in Colossians, you have to remember, they were under Rome, okay? And there were other Jews there who were not Christ followers. There were two things going on. One was mysticism, and they were teaching mysticism, which basically says that life is boring. The world is boring, and so you have to pursue and experience certain things to escape from it, okay? And they were saying you have to, you have to pursue this spiritual walk. You have to do this spiritual thing. You have to add it to Jesus because you want to escape from it. It's no different today, right? mysticism. You know, we have all this new age stuff. You know, do this and do that and you can escape the world. And Paul was addressing it back then and we need to address it today. And then on the other side, there was legalism, which says that the world is bad. So guess what? You have to create rules to protect yourself from it. And Paul was an expert on legalism. Nobody knew that better than him. He knew what he was talking about. Paul kept all the rules. As a matter of fact, do you know what he did? He made rules for the rules that he was trying to keep. And yet he came to a place in his own life of where he realized, I can't even keep all of these rules. I'm not good at keeping my own rules. Have you found that out? Sure. And what he was conveying is, you'll come to a point of where you think, I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes. And yet what he would say to them and he would say to you and me today is that there's something beyond escaping our world. There is something beyond creating quote unquote new worlds to protect yourself or provide for yourself. You, listen, you can actually be engaged in this world because you have what it takes through the person of Jesus Christ. You have everything that you need in Jesus to do everything that he's asking you and me to do. So guess what? I have everything that I need to be a husband, to be a father, to be a man, to be a leader. And so do you. You don't have to look anywhere else. And so Paul begins to remind the church at Colossae of some incredible principles and truths and reminding them, you got what it takes. Don't listen to the mysticism and the philosophies and the, the legalism that's out there. You're free in Jesus. And so I want to share with you what he shared a little over 2,000 years ago because you and I were created for greater freedom. Here's the first thing you got to realize your identity. 
you got to realize your identity. Hey, you know what we have today? We have a problem with identity theft. Would you agree with me? That's why they tell you to, to change your password continually. And you have to have certain letters and certain numbers and all of that because somebody's after your identity. And you, you, you need to be able to name your, your mother's maiden name and go on and on and on and on. And what they're really doing is they're asking you this question. Are you who you say you are? Are you who you say you are? And that's basically what they were doing there in, in, in Colossae. People outside were saying, are you who you say you are? And scripture, okay, God's word, not only tells us who we are, but whose we are. And so Paul writes them and he begins with this. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ. That means that you've been born again, that you've been made a new creation. Realize your identity now. You see, listen, Jesus didn't die to make bad people good people. He died to make dead people alive. And Jesus didn't come to be your life coach or to be your guru. He came to be your king, your master. And so he is the savior of the world. And Paul is saying, since then you have been raised with Christ, realize who you are. You're a son, you're a daughter of the living God. And so the first thing that he told them is listen, listen to this. Don't get caught up in the mysticism. Don't get caught up in legalism, okay? Just realize who you are. You're loved, you're precious, you're significant, you're accepted, you're secure. And then he says this, he says, then renew your mind in this. Once you realize your identity, then you have to renew your mind over and over and over and over again because there's gonna be people outside of you who are gonna wanna tell you something different than who you really are. And so he says this, he says, since you've been raised in Christ, okay, he says, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Wow, what is he saying here? He is saying that you have to realize your identity and then you have to renew your mind. What does he say? Seek the things that are above. Set your mind on things that are above. This is huge. This is the key to knowing who you are. You have to seek the things that are above. You have to set your mind on things that are above. And that takes work. That takes intentionality. That means that you, listen to me, that means that you have to have a bias towards action. You have to have a bias towards action. If you want to live in this reality and this truth, that you are a son and a daughter of the living God, then it requires you to seek and to set. And this is so, listen, this is so, so, so important. And how you do this is, first of all, you renew your mind. You train your mind in a new way of thinking of who you really are. And then you give yourself to training other people. Listen, th th this is why I meet with people. This is why I meet with people. This is why you should always be meeting with people, either for your own good or for you to be able to develop and train other people. Because you see, when I meet with other people and I begin to share, what happens is I'm renewing my mind because I'm teaching and training them in this. And when you teach and train, you're renewing your mind. You see, everything in this world says that we are accepted and loved by our performance. Y'all okay on that one? And so you have to seek and set. 
then what happens is you can love from acceptance instead of for acceptance. Hello? That would transform your marriage. If, if you would love from the fact that you are accepted instead of trying to get the acceptance of your spouse. It would change how you parent. It would change how you relate to your coworkers that you don't have to perform. And so you got to realize your identity. You got to renew your mind. And then you must recognize your new life. You must recognize your new life. You are now living a brand new life. The old is gone. The new has come. Why? Because of Jesus. Look what he says here. He says, for you have died. Your old self has died. You've now been raised with Christ, and your life is what? Hidden with Christ in God. You remember the elephant? See, the, the, the elephant didn't realize, didn't recognize that he had the power within him to pull that stake out of the ground. And you have to realize that you are no longer bound by your past hurts, habits, and hangups. That this one who created you and Jesus himself, he sees you as whole, complete, and righteous. He sees you as a saint. I've told you this before. Just start calling me Saint Dwight. You know, people say, Dwight, should I call you pastor? Well, I'd rather for you to call me Saint Dwight because that's who I am. Because you see, I'm no longer a sinner who sins. I am a saint who sometimes falls short of what God wants, and I sin. Why? Because I have been hidden in Christ. My messiness of my life is hidden in Christ. My addiction is hidden in Christ. My struggles are hidden in Christ. And God is not, listen, listen to me, God is not basing his relationship with Dwight based on my sin and my struggles. He bases it on the work of Jesus Christ, which is perfect. And that's why I ask people, so what's your goal in your relationship with God? Most people will say, to please him. I say, wrong answer. You ever tried to please somebody who's perfect? You never mow the yard quite good enough, do you? You never make the bed quite good enough, good enough do you? You never wash the dishes quite good enough because you can't please somebody who is perfect because you're not perfect. And so God's ultimate goal in our life is that we trust him that we are who he says that we are. And in trusting him, we ultimately please him. Because here's what you need to do. You need to recognize the new life. God treated Jesus as though he was Dwight, so he could treat Dwight as though he was Jesus. So what happens is, when God sees Dwight, guess what? He doesn't see my messiness. He doesn't see my sin and my struggle. He doesn't see my addiction. You know what he does? He sees me as being whole and complete and righteous. Look else what Paul says. He says, when Christ is who your when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. You see, one day is going to be apparent to everybody that I'm a saint. Maybe not today, but in God's eyes, I am. And so you realize your identity. And when you realize your identity and you renew your mind and and and, and you brace this new life, then what happens is it gives you the confidence to deal with your sin. It gives you the confidence to tell yourself the truth. Most people can't tell themselves the truth because they don't realize who they really are. And so what happens is once you realize who you really are, then you know what that does? Paul tells us it gives you and I the ability to renounce our sins, 
to renounce our sins. I can deal with my sin because I know that God already knows of my sin and my struggle, and yet he loves me and he accepts me. See, Paul was telling them this. You don't need to go off in some mysticism. You don't need to become some legalistic person and begin to perform. No, Paul says, here's what you need to do. You need to put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. And so what he says is, put away sexual immorality. One of the terms here is pornography. He says, put it away. He talks about coveting, and coveting is known more as shopping today. Coveting is when you want something so much that you lose your contentment in Jesus. Coveting is thinking that if I just had this, if I just had that, then I I, I would feel better about myself. I would feel whole. I would feel complete. And Paul is saying, you're wrong. You see, it's not buying something that is the problem. It's thinking that what you buy or what you purchase or what you have will give you wholeness or completeness. Like when we get this house, we'll feel complete. When I'm able to drive this type of car, I'll feel complete. When we have kids, I'll feel complete. And what he says is your life is already complete. It's Jesus plus nothing. And he talks about anger here. He says, he says deal with your passion, your anger. You see, what happens is If we don't, then what happens is we will be out of control and we'll be led by our emotions. He says, hey, you know what? Watch your tongue. Watch your tongue. Slander. You know, don't tear down other people. Don't tear down someone's reputation. Don't be spreading true things about people with inappropriate people. And Paul says here, you have to renounce it. You have to put it to death. And when you're dealing with sin, you have to own it. I have to own it. Now, I can own it because I realize who I am in Jesus, okay? I realize that he loves me and he accepts me and nothing will take that away. And so I'm safe and I'm secure so I can acknowledge my sin. And Paul says, put it to death, take it off, declare that sin is powerless. Pornography, you're not gonna control me. You have no power over me. A critical and negative spirit, guess what? You have no power over me. I'm putting it off. Anger, you're not going to control my life. You're not going to run my life. You see, there's all, listen, there's always a sin behind the sin. And he says, I want you to put to death the sin, which is idolatry. That means that which you have lifted above Jesus. And you think that if you participate in that, then what happens is it's going to make you feel complete. It's going to make you feel whole. You see, idolatry is anything that fuels or nurtures your sin. And so you got to go to the root of it. You got to get to the root of it. And what happens too many times, we're picking the fruit instead of dealing with the root. We're trying to modify our behavior instead of getting to the real issue. And it's my character and your character. So what happens is you, listen, listen to me, you either renounce sin and kill it, or it will kill everything in your life, your marriage, your family, your business. Now, how do you know if you're renouncing sin? How do you know that, okay? What happens is your heart begins to relax and says, I don't need that. I might be tempted to go there. I might be tempted to do that, but I don't need that. I have what it takes. You see, sin represents itself as attractive and fulfilling, but it will bring death 
and it'll destroy everything that you have. And God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. And when you begin to realize and experience how much God loves you and that he will not withhold any good thing from you, then what happens is you won't let anything get in the way of your relationship with him. You'll be honest, you'll be vulnerable, you'll be true. And if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, guess what? I realize that I'm already covered by Jesus. Two weeks ago, I went to the doctor and I had three moles on my face. And, and I know that I needed to deal with them. And so I went in and guess what? He froze them so that they have no opportunity to become cancerous. That's renouncing sin. See, I'm dealing with it when it's small. If I wouldn't have dealt with it, then it could grow and it could go through my whole body and really kill the life in me. And so that's why we have to renounce sin because it will kill everything in you. We killed the mold so that the mold would not grow and eventually kill me. And that's what Paul's talking about here. And so we have to put on and put off, okay? Look what Paul continues to say. He says, on the count of these, the wrath of God is coming. The anger of God is coming. Why? Because God wants you to experience greater hope, greater, greater wholeness, greater freedom, and it gets him angry and mad when, when you and I are robbed of our potential. He says, in these two, you once walked when you were living in them, but now no more. Now, here's what I know. The reason why we need to renounce our sin is because when I sin, it causes pain in other people's lives. And the pain in your life has been caused by other people. And what Paul says is, I want you to renounce the sin, and then I want you to release your pain. I want you to release your pain. All of us here today have pain in our life that we need to release. See, look what Paul says. He says, but now you must put them all away. That he just talked about anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. He says, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off your old self with its practices and have put on your new self, which is being what? Renewed, renew your mind, remember that? Realize your identity and renew your mind. Renewed in the knowledge after the image of our creator. Now, you have to release your pain, why? Because your pain comes through people. Wouldn't it be great if it wasn't for people? You know, most of us are like Lucy. Lucy said it like this, I love mankind, it's the people I can't stand. Why would she say that? Because your hurts and my hurts come through people. And that's why Paul is saying, you need to release your pain because he's trying to prepare us so that we'll be healthy to be able to have good relationships in the workplace, in our family, parenting, and in our marriages. And what he's really doing is he's teaching us here how to forgive. Because how do you experience hurt through people? How do you experience healing? It's through people. And he's getting us ready for the main relationships that we have in life. That's why, listen, if you're a Christ follower, nobody should do relationships better than you and me, all because of what we're talking about here today. And so what happens is you and I need to be able, okay? We need to be able to release the pain. We need to be able to do that. Now, what you and I need to realize is that we need to forgive, okay? He talks about that. We need to exercise the muscle of forgiveness. That means that you forgive those little offenses and those little 
issues that irritate you. He's saying, because you know what? If you'll learn how to forgive those small things, you will develop muscles so that when the big things come in your life, and by the way, they will, okay? They will. All of us are gonna be betrayed one way or another. Then you'll have the muscle to be able to do that, but you'll only be able to do that if you're developing those muscles. And this is what he means by bearing with one another. And so you wanna release your pain, and then you wanna replace old habits. You wanna replace old habits. Look what he says here. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and get this, okay? And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. Wow, what is he saying here? He is saying that you and I must replace old habits. We must replace old habits. And, and, and we have to be able to do that. How do we replace those old habits? By forgiving people, okay? By forgiving people. And by what? Putting on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. When I really love people, I'll forgive people. When I really love people, I'll be patient with people. When I really love people, I'll seek the best for them. And so what he says here is that we are to forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. We need to do that. We need to replace old habits. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a conversation with yourself and you're building against somebody that you don't want to forgive? And so what happens is you would say, well, I would forgive them, but they're such a narcissist. And what happens is we end up labeling people and we dehumanize them. And we feel like, you know what, because they're a certain way, we don't have to forgive them. And you do have to forgive them. You don't have to trust them, but you have to release them. I, I love this quote from Tim Keller. He says, forgiveness flounders because I exclude the enemy from the community of humans, even as I exclude myself from the community of sinners. You see, listen, when you and I choose to forgive someone, that's godlike. When you and I choose not to forgive someone, we make them less than human. And you say, how do we do that? We put a label on them. We label them of something less than being human. And that justifies us from not forgiving them. And what he says here is, I exclude myself from the community of sinners. That means that I make myself out to be a god. And I make them out as being somebody less than human. You see, listen, listen to me, okay? Have you ever said this, I would never do that? I'd never sin that way. Are you sure of that? Paul was saying that to forgive other people means that they're human. To forgive means that, that you are being human, that, 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 that you're not going to hold on to that. And some of us today, listen to me, we don't have greater freedom. You know why? Because you won't forgive you're in a prison. Paul was writing from a prison. And some of us have created prisons because we won't forgive. Some of you are holding on to an enormous amount of pain because you don't know who you are in Christ. And so you don't have the freedom to be able to forgive other people. You have set yourself up as God and other people as less than human. 
See, Paul concludes with this. He says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body. How do you let the rule of Christ rule in your heart? By realizing your identity, by renewing your mind, by recognizing the new life, by renouncing sin, by replacing old habits. He says, and be thankful and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. He says, let what God says about who you are be the determining factor. And what does God's word say to you and me? Listen to me. You have what it takes to deal with anything and everything in your life, even the hurts, all of those relationships, whether at work, whether in your marriage, whether in your family, you have what it takes. Why? Because Paul would say, Jesus is enough. And in him is greater freedom. Would you pray with me? Maybe today you don't feel free. And maybe your first step is to accept Jesus as your Savior and begin with a new identity. And when you accept him, he, he takes all that is in the past and he cancels it and never will it be held against you again. Maybe you need to take that step by just saying, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Make me who you want me to be. For others of us, it may be that you need to realize your identity, <laughs> that you are a son or a daughter of the living God. Maybe you need to renew your mind. Maybe, maybe you need to recognize the new life that you have and you need to walk in that truth and that freedom. Maybe you need to renounce sin because sin brings death and it's killing you. And you need to say, you know what? I'm not gonna allow pornography to hold on to me. I'm not gonna allow unforgiveness to grip my heart. I'm not gonna slander people anymore because it kills, it kills, it kills. Or maybe you need to replace some old habits and say, God, I need a heart of compassion. I need a heart of love. I need a heart of grace. Listen, Jesus is everything you need. Je Listen to me. Jesus makes life better, and he makes you better at life. But we have to set our minds on him, and we have to seek him with all of our heart. And so, Father, we thank you today that you have kept letters like this. Paul writing to the church in Colossae. Because really, the problems and the issues and the challenges of life are the same, whether they happened 2,000 years ago or whether they're happening today. And you have the answer. You have the solution. And it's found in the person of Jesus because he brings greater hope, greater wholeness, greater freedom, and greater purpose. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. If you want to talk to someone about a decision you've made or let us know how God's moving through this series, visit newpoint.org forward slash contact. Be sure to stay connected with us throughout the week on social media, download our app, subscribe to our weekly podcasts through the App Store or Google Play, or catch us on Roku or Apple TV. Thanks for listening to today's message, and we hope you continue to realize and reach your full potential in Jesus Christ.